Good morning. You enjoy the snow last night? Well, I did too. I'm glad to see we got a beautiful day today that we can come to the Lord's house. Thank you for coming out. For those watching on live stream, thank you for tuning in. I just got a text from someone a moment ago saying that they are tuning in today. So glad that you guys can do that. And uh, let me explain what we're doing up here today. Um, I came in at 9.45 and recorded this message so that they could play it for the folks down in the Life Center. And so that's why we have this set up. And so I've already recorded the message for them. And uh, now I get to preach it live to you guys. So, you know, when I was recording it for them, I had to be real conscious of how long I took. You guys, I'm just going to let it rip now. (laughs) Yeah, bye. (laughs) Um, we're working our way through the Gospel of Luke, of course, and we've come today to Luke chapter 7. Would you take God's Word with me, and let's turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I'm going to ask you, as you turn to that, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads with me. Hopefully you found it. It's pretty easy to find. Uh, Turn on your phone or open your Bible, Luke chapter 7. I want you to bow your heads with me, and let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful for your Word And I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with your people and to speak about the truth that is revealed there. But I know I'm so limited in my ability. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and the Holy Spirit would be our guide in the truth of Scripture today. Uh, Thank you for those that are here in this building, those that are watching online. And may you meet us clearly through your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as I said, we're working our way through the Gospel of Luke, and today we come to Luke chapter 7. It's interesting when you read the Gospels, when you read the story of Jesus, that people often brought to Jesus problems for which there was no human solution. That's why they came to Him. And they learned that when they came to him with this problem for which there was no human solution, they learned that they were not only face-to-face with Jesus, but they realized they were face-to-face with God. That truth is so evident in today's text. It's a story we're going to look at today that shows a woman who was face-to-face with forgiveness. The problem that we all have is the same problem this woman had. And the problem is, we all have a past that can't be changed. All of us. We all have a past that can't be changed. Some of you are painfully aware of that, aren't you? You can't take those words back that you wish you had never said. You can't undo that affair that you had. You can't take back the lies that you told. You can't take back the wounds that you left. You can't change what you did in anger. You can't undo the decisions that you made. You said it. You did it, and there's no rewinding the tape and doing it over. You see, the greatest need in your life and in my life is a need we can't meet. In fact, it's a need no one can meet, at least from a human perspective. Regardless of how much regret that we have, regardless of how much remorse we may feel, we have a past that can't be changed. There's a story in Luke, a wonderful story, that deals with those sins in our lives that we wish we had never committed. Those sins in our life that we can't take away. Those things that we have done that we wish we could undo. 
but we know we can't. It's a wonderful story in Luke chapter 7. Would you uh, look with me beginning in verse 36? Now, there, now, now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. This scene, we believe, probably took place in the city of Capernaum, northeastern shore or northwestern shore of Galilee. Uh, it was one of the favorite places for Jesus, and likely that was the place where this occurred. And in that day, when you went to someone's house, they had a, a table, but it was not the kind of table that you and I have in our houses. We have a table and chairs and that kind of thing. They had a table, but it was very low to the ground. And they actually sat on a, on a mat or a cushion and actually reclined on the table. They would prop one elbow up on the table, and their feet would go out away from the table towards the wall, and that's how they would eat. So it was common in that day because they didn't have the doors that we have and the locks that we have and the kind of windows that we have. It was common in that day that if you had a notable guest, many times if they heard that there was a notable person at this house, that they'd just come stand around outside the house and look through the window and look through the door. Sometimes they might even just come inside and stand along the walls listening to this notable person. That was a common occurrence in that day. And so pick up the story with me, beginning in verse 37. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, before we go any further with understanding who this woman was, Luke notes that one of those uninvited guests was a woman who had, and this is the way he described it, who had lived a sinful life in that town. Her sins are not named, but we get the impression she was likely a prostitute. She was certainly a woman with a reputation. She was the kind of woman that everybody in town knew, but for all the wrong reasons. In fact, later in the story, Jesus refers to her many sins. Even he was aware of this woman. Even he was aware of the kind of life she had lived. You see, this lady had a past that she could not erase. And now she's standing at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says she's weeping as she stands there. Luke tells the story this way, verse 37. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Most scholars believe that the tears that this lady was shedding were not the bitter tears of regret. They were not even the bitter tears of remorse. They were likely the sweet tears of relief. We certainly would understand if these were tears of regret. We would certainly understand the kind of life she'd lived if these were tears of remorse. Tears like that would flow pretty freely when you've done something that made a mess of your life and you're in the presence of Jesus and His holiness and you recognize how messed up your life is. We would understand if these were tears of regret and tears of remorse. But this woman, I don't believe, was crying tears of regret. I really believe she, these were tears of relief. She was not overcome... Uh, she was not overcome by her past. That's not what brought the tears. She was overwhelmed with gratitude. 
You see, if you check a harmony of the Gospels, that is, there are books that kind of put the Gospels in, in order, the, the different stories in the Gospel kind of put them in order. And if you check a harmony of the Gospels, you'll, you'll discover that just before this event where Jesus is in this house eating with this woman and this Pharisee, just before this event, Jesus had given this gracious invitation. Just before this event, sometime before, Jesus said these words in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your souls. We don't know for sure if she heard that message. It's at least possible that she did. But whether she heard that message or another one, somewhere, sometime, she must have heard Jesus preach. And she turned from her sin. And she trusted Him to be her Savior. And now she's at His feet, weeping, tears, relief. You see, Jesus did something with her sin and with her past she had never been able to do. Jesus removed it. And as she felt that weight lifted from her, she stood there and she was weeping. She's face to face with forgiveness. Jesus did something for her that no human could ever do. And so this leads to a conversation. But it's not a conversation between this woman and Jesus. It's a conversation between Jesus and his host. Let's pick up the story beginning in verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, saw what the woman was doing. Because if you look in verse 38, it says, She wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on his feet. When the Pharisee saw this woman doing all of this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. If this man really knew, if this man really was a prophet, he'd understand where she's been. He'd understand what she's done. He'd know what kind of woman this is. And so Jesus answered him, Verse 40, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, which is basically a denarii or denarius was a one day's wage for a common laborer. That was a one day's wage. So, so we have one man and he owes 500 days worth of wages. He's in debt for 500 days of wages. And the other, 50. He's in debt for... 50 days of wages. Neither of them had the money to repay or to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. He did something unexpected. And the word canceled there is a form of the Greek word charis, which, and the word charis is the basis for the word grace. And literally, what this man did, Jesus said, was that he graced them both. They didn't deserve it, they both had a debt they couldn't pay. And he graced them both. The man graciously forgave their debts, even though it cost him to do so. And this is what God has done in Christ for us. We all have a different debt. Our sin debt, you, you, you may be a better sinner than I am, uh, but we all have that sin debt we couldn't pay. And the Bible says 
This is what God has done for us. He has graced us. He's paid a debt he did not owe. Let's pick up the story again. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Verse 43. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. In that day, because the roads were were mainly just dirt roads and you wore sandals, whenever you came into someone's house, if you were a good host, you always had somebody, a servant or someone, who would wash the dirt or the dust from their feet. It was just a good sign of hospitality. Jesus said, Simon, I came to your house. You didn't wash my feet. But this woman is washing my feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. Verse 45, you did not give me a kiss. In that day, it was a a natural greeting to kiss someone on the cheek. It was a, a, a sign of hospitality to greet them into your home that way. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. In that day, it was a sign of blessing. It was a way to honor your guests, to place oil on their head. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. And by the way, it was a very costly perfume. Some estimate it probably cost her perhaps a whole year's wages. It was a very costly thing that she put on his feet. Then he says in verse 47, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Now, with that story in the background, I want to give you two life lessons, two things that will apply to every person here today and every person watching online. And here's the first lesson I want you to learn today from this text. The first lesson is this, your sins can be forever forgiven. Your sins can be forever forgiven. And don't miss that word forever. Your sins can be forever forgiven. Don't Don't overlook the main lesson in the story. Verse 47. Look what Jesus said in verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins. He doesn't downplay her sinful past. He doesn't downplay her sinful lifestyle. Therefore I tell you, her many sins, watch this, have been forgiven. Have been forgiven That's in the perfect passive form in the Greek language. Let me tell you why that's important. The perfect passive form means that her sins have been forgiven in the past and they still stand forgiven now. That's the idea behind what he said. Simon, I want you to understand something. Her sins have been forgiven, already have been forgiven, and they stand forgiven now. In other words, her sins had been forgiven before she came into Simon's house. And in fact, that's why she came. She came because she heard that Jesus was there and she wanted to show her love for her Savior. It's interesting what that word forgiven actually means. The word forgiven means to send away. Simon, I want to tell you something. Her sins have been sent away. The word can also be translated to cancel a debt. Simon, I want you to understand something. Her sins, her debt has been canceled. In other words, forgiveness means 
that her sins are gone. They're gone. They've been sent away. You see, God's promise to you and God's promise to me is Hebrews 8.12 that says, For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Your sins can be forever forgiven. Your past doesn't have to be part of your future. Think about that. Your past doesn't have to be part of your future. God will forgive you. Now, please understand, God does not minimize our sin. But He does maximize His grace in our lives. It's not that God says, well, your sin's not that bad, or you're a pretty good person. God doesn't minimize our sin, but He maximizes His grace exhibited into our lives. 1 Peter 2.24 explains it this way. He, Jesus, bore our sins in His own body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Hear the first part of that verse again. He bore our sins in His own body on the tree. See, the reason that Jesus could offer forgiveness to this woman was because He knew He was going to the cross to die for every sin she had ever committed. He knew He was going to the cross and pay for everything she had done wrong. He knew she was guilty. He did not minimize her sin. He maximized His grace. He knew He was going to die for her sin. That's why she stood there weeping. That's why she continued to weep and to wipe his feet with her hair and to anoint his feet with oil because she could not get past the thought of him dying for her sins. That Jesus would absorb the guilt and the pain of her sins on the cross. You see, when when God justifies a sinner, He's not declaring bad people good. It's not that at all. He's not saying that, well, you're not really that bad. It's not that at all. He's declaring that you're legally forgiven. That you're legally righteous in God's eyes. Because Jesus has experienced the penalty of your sin. Now, don't miss this. I want you to see this in verse 47. Jesus Jesus knew. He was well aware of the kind of life that this lady had lived. In verse 47, he refers to her many sins. He knew who she was. He knew how she had lived. He could have made a list of everything she had done wrong if he had wanted to. But then Jesus turns to this woman and he offers her A word of reassurance. Perhaps this conversation with Simon had made her doubt what she thought she had experienced with Christ. And so he turns to her and he offers her this word of assurance in verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, for the very first time in the story, he's now speaking directly to the woman. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. He wanted to reassure her, your sins are forgiven. Can I say to you, God knows the worst about you, but He wants the best for you. 
God knew all about this woman. He knew the worst about her. But he wanted the best for her. Psalm 103 says it so well. Psalm 103 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. In other words, God doesn't give us what we deserve when it comes to our sin. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. As high as the heavens are above the earth. That's how great God loves you. And he, it goes on to say, as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. That word removed is an important word, isn't it? He doesn't just overlook your sin. But the Bible says in His eyes, He removes our transgression from us. And He says He removes it as far as the east is from the west. If you at the North Pole and you go to the South, you'll eventually get to the South Pole. and So it's a measurable distance between North to South and South to North. But if you're on an airplane and you're flying East around the globe, you will always be flying East. If you're flying West, you will always be flying West. Jesus didn't say, I remove your sins as far as the North is from the South because that's a measurable distance. Jesus said, I will remove your sins as far as the East is from the West. See, Satan wants to be focused, wants you to focus on your past because he's trying to ruin your future. But God is focused on your future because Jesus died for what's in your past. So the first point is you can be forever forgiven. Second point is this. Your faith makes your forgiveness possible. Not your tears. Not your, your love. Your faith makes your forgiveness possible. Look in verse 50. Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Think of how life-changing it must have been to hear those words. Jesus said, your faith has saved you because of Christ. Her heart was now clean. That's why Jesus said to her, go in peace. See, Satan lied to you, didn't he? Satan told you that if you give in to the temptation, it will be fun and you'll feel better and no one will know. Satan told you that this is the path to happiness. What he didn't tell you about was the guilt and the shame and the struggles, and the bitterness, and the brokenness, and the uncertain future. But there is a way to deal with the pain in our past. There is a way to deal with those things that we can't change, and we can't undo. And the way to deal with that is to bring it to God. And to experience His forgiveness. Just look at the story of this immoral woman. I, I, I love this as I, as I look at this text and just to try to put us in the text. I love these three thoughts about this lady. First of all, there's no amount of sin that can keep you from experiencing God's forgiveness. Jesus referred to her many sins. 
You haven't outsinned the grace of God. There's no amount of sin that can keep you from experiencing God's forgiveness. The second little bullet point is that the life you've lived to this point cannot keep you from experiencing God's forgiveness. It's not like, well, I've, I've blown it. No, the life you've lived up to this point will not keep you from experiencing God's forgiveness. And I love this part. Even the opinion of others cannot keep you from experiencing God's forgiveness. In verse 39, that Simon said, if, if he only knew, if he really was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this was. But the opinion of others cannot keep you from experiencing God's forgiveness. The Bible says that Jesus reconciled us to God by making peace through the, His blood shed on the cross. You see, here's the wonder of the gospel. Even when God has every reason to punish us, He offers to pardon us. Maybe you feel like you've failed so many times and you've failed God so many times that you've run out of chances. Maybe you feel like you've sent it all away. Maybe you feel like there's no hope for you. But I want you to hear me carefully and I want you to hear me, those listening online. No one is beyond the reach of a loving God. No one. God says your past doesn't disqualify you and your problems aren't too big for me. I like the way David said it in Psalm 51, 7. David said, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. The time after David's sin with Bathsheba and after he had had her husband murdered, it was a past he couldn't change. It was a past he couldn't undo. And yet David realized, God can do for me what is not humanly possible. So David turned to God and he cried out with these words, Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. You see, the beautiful thing God did last night, sending us the snow, that white snow that only God can provide, the beautiful white snow that God sent us last night is merely a picture of what He wants to do in your life today. For some of you, God said, I, I sent that to you. Because I want you to know I can do the same thing in your life. I can do the same thing in your past. Isaiah said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Your past can be forever forgiven. Your faith makes your forgiveness possible. It's a true story of a, of a famous baseball player, and I just thought of it this morning, and I, I, honestly, I can't remember his name, but it's a true story. Uh, I think I know his name, but I'm not going to say it because I'm not sure that I have it right. But regardless, it was, there was a famous baseball player, well-known, many, many years ago in the 50s, I believe it was. And he was on his deathbed. And on his deathbed, a preacher came to see him. This man was known for his drinking and his carousing and for his incredible baseball talent. As he lay on his deathbed, the preacher shared the gospel with him, explained to him that all of his sins could be forgiven, explained to him what Jesus did on the cross. And this man, this famous baseball player, said to the old preacher, you're not telling me that a lifetime of sin can be done away with with just a single prayer, are you? The preacher said, no, sir, I'm not. He said, but I am telling you, a lifetime of sin can be done away with by the blood of Jesus. 
And that's what I want to say to you. Your sin, your past can't be changed with just a simple prayer that, where you say words. Your sin and your past can be changed by the blood of Jesus. Her sins which are many have been forgiven. Sent away. That's why he said to her, go in peace. Go home in peace with God. Go home with peace with yourself. Go home with peace about your past. Go in peace. You can do that when you turn your past and your future over to Jesus. I want to ask you to do that right now. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know whether those of you who are watching or those here in the sanctuary, I don't know what your relationship with the Lord is, but for some of you, I'm sure there's somebody here and you've never trusted Christ as Savior. You don't have that relationship. You've got a past, but you've never trusted Christ with your past. And the Lord Jesus can do for you what no human could ever do. He can forgive you of your sin. Cleanse you. Separate your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. Your past can be forever forgiven. And your faith makes your forgiveness possible. Right now, it's not simply a a prayer that would make that happen. But it's prayer believing that the blood of Jesus was shed on your behalf. Prayer believing that when Jesus died on the cross, He was dying for your pain, for your penalty, for your sin. Would you express your faith to Christ today with this prayer? Whether here in the building or online, would you express your, your faith this way? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I deserve your wrath. But I'm thankful for your love. And today... I'm placing my faith in Jesus Christ that He died for my sin and in my place. I don't deserve your forgiveness, but I desperately need it. Come into my heart. Make me clean. Make me a new person. I want to go home today in peace. I claim Christ. By faith as my Savior. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed, every eye still closed. I hope that if you prayed that prayer with me, you'll let me know. If you're here in the building, come and let me, just come speak to me. Or if you watch it online, get on Mount Air website and send us an email. Let us know that you prayed to receive Christ. We'd love to help you take your next step in that spiritual journey. But I'm also recognizing that today, whether here or those watching online, there may be someone... You say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I know that I've trusted Christ. just haven't been living like it lately. There's some things in my life now that I can't change and I can't undo. I'm not proud of, and in fact, my heart is breaking. What do I do? 
The Bible says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Come to Christ in repentance. It's like you did when you were saved. You don't need to be re-saved. In fact, when you trust Christ, you're saved forever. But you come back in repentance. You acknowledge your sin before Him. And you ask for His grace and His mercy. And you go home in peace. You can do that right now. Father, thank You for the promise of Scripture. Thank You for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank You for the forgiveness that only You can give us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.